this Lenten service, the first lesson from the 18th chapter of Ezekiel, the soul that sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked man turns away from all his sins which he's committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, and he shall not die. None of the transgressions which he had committed shall be remembered against him, for the righteousness which he has done he shall live. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, says the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed against me, and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. 
Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, says the Lord God, so turn and live. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. We stand for the reading of the second part of the Passion History. And they went to a place which was called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground, and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to thee. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and he prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, This one shall I kiss is the man's, seize him, take him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once, and he said, Master, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him, and they seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as a, against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all forsook him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Deliver me, O Lord my God, for you are the God of my salvation. Rescue me from my enemies, protect me from those who rise against me. In you, O Lord, do I put my trust. Leave me not, O Lord my God. Rescue me from my enemies, protect me Deliver me, O Lord my God, for you are the God of my salvation. Rescue me from my enemies, protect me from those who rise on the earth. 
friends in our Lord, Jesus, grant us balm and healing in your holy wounds I find. So we sang the first words of the first hymn this evening, and so is our Lenten prayer. As again tonight on this third Wednesday in Lent, we reflect upon the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. As was mentioned last week, during this our Lenten reflection, we'll be guided by his wounds, five of them. Last week, we considered the holy hands of our Lord. Tonight, this week, we ponder his feet, sacred feet, beautiful feet. We begin, though, by considering our own. The foot. It's not exactly the most glorious member of the human anatomy. Our feet are certainly far less venerated than is one's countenance, his face, or one's crown of hair. Well, songwriters and poets have not at all been lacking in their praise and in their adoration of a beloved's bright eyes or warm and beaming smile or lovely locks. They've been far less prolific, haven't they, in putting out verse about our feet. Maybe they've just had trouble finding words that rhyme with bunion and callus, ingrown toenail, planter warts, corns, athlete's foot. Truth is, though, those less than attractive words are rather accurate. They're rather accurate when we do consider our feet. In fact, in some cultures, bare feet are considered very unsightly, even offensive. In certain Arab countries, for instance, in Thailand, it's extremely rude to show someone the sole of your foot. Because our feet are our feet, I suppose it's not surprising then that, that in many cultures, especially though in our own, we seek to beautify our feet. We dress them up before they take us out and about. Pedicures and polishes help for some, but for us all, we cover and we clad them in the, in the style that suits us best, whether that be sandal or boot or shoe, high-heeled or low, comfortable or cramped. But despite their appearance, the feet, I think, are two of the most underappreciated members of the body. After all, they're the first out of bed in the morning and the very last in bed at night. Though they do get a bit more vocal as we and as they get older, for many years of our lives they go wherever they're told, whenever they're told, without serious complaint. And that's no small feat. That's a bad pun, but it's no small feat. It's been determined that if one were to jog a 10-mile course, his foot would strike the ground 15,000 times in those 10 miles. Each and every time, at a force of three to four times the body's weight. Like dedicated workhorses in humble service, our feet don't often get the attention that I think they might deserve. Well, if we have less than full appreciation for our own feet, think of how much and how gravely we undervalue the feet of our Lord Jesus. Like John the Baptist said, we're not even worthy to stoop down and attend to Christ's feet, and yet consider it. Consider the steps that those feet have taken for your sake and for mine. Those feet of his, worn raw and rugged, traversing the valleys and the hills and the mountains of Palestine, they were soiled with the dust and the dirt of earth. With the dust and the dirt of earth to bear to lost souls in every valley, on every hill and atop every mountain, heaven's good news. Those feet of his, those feet of our Lord, ventured into villages, 
and into homes that did not welcome him but rejected those feet. In merciful, condescending humility, those feet took their place at tables of those who considered them no more highly than their own feet, considered them simple, common feet, those feet of his, deserving of heaven and earth as a footstool. Those feet, they tread our roads and our highways, our byways. Surely he could have remained enthroned above, above the angels in heaven, above heaven itself, and yet he deigned to tread down here where the proud and where the arrogant tread, where the selfishness of mankind is king, where one treads on another to find the footing of advantage, whether that be by stepping on another to raise oneself up or by stepping on another to keep another down. Oh, that we would recall the posture of John and consider our unworthiness even to attend tonight to the pondering of his feet. Oh, that we would in bewildered gratitude assume in our souls the posture of Mary, the sister of Martha, Mary at his feet. You see, she saw beyond the calluses and the road-worn ruggedness of our Lord's feet and she treasured them as they were, bringers of salvation. And so recall what we heard last week with the oil of highest price. She anointed the Lord's feet, John writes, and then she wiped them with her hair. Our posture, though, was all too often of the disciples, those disciples from last week, who thought it a waste for Mary to spend so much on worship and the adoration of our Lord, when that money, they said, could have been spent somewhere else in a more practical way. Our posture is all too often that of the disciples that we heard about tonight. Rather, I should say, our feet all too often mimic theirs. Far too frequently. Just as we heard tonight in the Passion account, when we find circumstances in our life are well out of control, just like they found in their lives, in the dark garden of Gethsemane, like them, we all too easily often flee. Our feet of flight fleeing. In fear. But you see, it's not our Lord who needs us near. But it's you and I that need to be near Him. Even when that might mean crosses to bear. But so often, we, like they did in the the reading tonight, so often we flee, we scamper from Him and the promises of His Word at those times when we need Him most. Our feet, our feet are so wayward and so unsteady. Friends, know then that our confidence rests not in the uncertainty and in the unpredictability of our own instability. Our confidence rests solely and certainly in his sure-footedness. You see, those feet of his that we ponder this evening with divine determination and direction... They brought him not simply throughout Judea for our sake, but ultimately to dark Gethsemane. And they bore him from there to the court of the high priest and then to Pilate, to Herod, back to Pilate again, finally under the weight of a cross and bearing the sin of all the world. And finally they brought him, those feet of his, to a place called Golgotha. For your sake, 
And for mine, it was love of the divine kind that kept his feet struggling ever forward, ever onward to their goal. Don't ever think it an accident. Don't ever assume his feet had gone wayward. Friends, it's there that they had always intended to go. It's to Calvary that his feet had always intended to go. The destiny of those feet had always been to be pierced through by a nail and fastened to a cross in order that Jesus the Christ would there with his heel crush the head of the ancient serpent and crush under his heel the dominion of sin. Consider the words that we sang in our sermon hymn just a moment ago. Calvary's mournful mountain climb there adoring at his feet. Mark that miracle of time. God's own sacrifice complete. Oh, the love that we behold in those nail-pierced feet of our Lord Jesus. And should we lack the words to express how we might rightly regard them, then we need only consider and hear what Scripture says of those feet. Those feet that bear to us the tidings of his nail-pierced feet and the peace that they bring. What does Scripture say? How beautiful the feet. How beautiful the feet upon the mountains of Him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings to us, who proclaims our salvation. The average foot, not so attractive, but indeed how very beautiful are those bloody, mangled feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. While the nail has long been removed from his feet, the nail mark remains. And how we treasure that nail mark that remains, for in it his feet still serve us as emblems of his continued love for us, his continued service to us. Mind you, no longer does he gird up his loins as he once did and wash the feet of his disciples. No, but now he does, and until earth's last day, he does wash clean for us that which is far fouler and far dirtier and dingier than our feet, our souls. But he delights in it. He delights in cleansing us and cleansing us with baptismal water and then directing our feet, directing our steps, guiding our way to his altar where he also continually cleanses us from head to foot with his nail-pierced body, his precious blood in that dear sacrament given for you. And so because of the sure-footedness of Christ's nail-pierced feet, because of the salvation that they bring to us, We may rightly and gladly confess with the psalmist, He plucks my feet from the net, and He sets my feet firm upon a rock, and gives me a firm place to stand, and friends, believe Him. Believe Him when He says to you, believe Him in life. In life, wherever your feet may be directed by Him, believe Him in death. When you too walk through the valley of the shadow of death, believe him when he says, I will not let their foot to be moved. Dear friends, as your feet take you tonight on your homeward way, 
ponder and prize the nail-pierced feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. Be present, merciful God, and protect us through the hours of this night so that we who are wearied by the changes and the chances of life may find our rest in you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Guide us, O Lord, while waking, and guard us while sleeping, that awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep we may rest in peace. O eternal God, the hours of both day and night are yours and to you the darkness is no threat. Be present, we pray, with those who labor in these hours of night, especially those who watch and work on behalf of others. Grant them diligence in their watching, faithfulness in their service, courage in danger, and competence in emergencies. Help them to meet the needs of others with confidence and compassion, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Guide us, O Lord, while waking, and guard us while sleeping that awake we may watch with Christ, and asleep we may rest in peace. Abide with us, Lord, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us at the end of the day and at the end of our life, at the end of the world. 
Abide with us in your grace and goodness, with your holy word and sacrament, with your strength and blessing. Abide with us when the night of affliction and temptation comes upon us, in the night of fear and despair, the night when death draws near. Abide with us and with all the faithful, now and forever. Guide us, O Lord, while waking, and guard us while sleeping, that awake we may watch with Christ and asleep we may rest in peace. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, you did once offer up your only begotten Son, that by his wounds we would be healed. We ask that you keep our eyes fixed on our Lord Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, May we ever recognize in his precious wounds our refuge from all guilt, the forgiveness of all sin, and the promise of life everlasting. Amen. The Almighty and the most merciful Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and preserve you.